Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the Selmark Studios. I will tell you from the get-go that if you're looking for local election results, the winners and losers were posted after this podcast's Tuesday afternoon deadline. The results can be found on our website at aboutmansfield.com and click on the Campaign 2020 tab. Colleen Daniel is here. She's socially distancing from home today, along with the entire About Mansfield news team. And we appreciate you being here today. Coming up on the episode, Mansfield news, sports and weather for the upcoming week. And as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to the new 54th Street Grill. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. The COVID-19 epidemic appears to be increasing its concerning spread in Mansfield. Also, a space birthday. Local candidate draws concern for receiving a large campaign contribution. Tis the season for giving and Meals on Wheels needs your help. Civic Academy is rolled out for you to get to know your city even better. 54th Street gears up for their grand opening. So how are Mansfield ISC football teams doing in district races so far this season? We'll review and we'll take a look at this week's coming games in sports. Alexa is here with the seven-day weather forecast and Steve will talk talk in studio with the new downtown coordinator, Nicolette Allen, about all of the great things that are happening in historic Mansfield. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Southwestern Adventist University is a proud sponsor of today's show. That's a local university, right? Yes, it's located in Keene, which is a small town just south of Mansfield. I don't think I've ever driven through there. What's it like? Swallow is known for the friendly people on its campus. Do they also offer online programs? They do. And for a limited time, Swahoo is offering a $2,500 scholarship to all first-time freshmen from the Southwest USA. Learn more by going to swau.edu. Hey, Mansfield. Did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. Hi, I'm Dr. Joseph Adams, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Ohana Screen Printing. If you're looking for local election results, the winners and losers were posted after this podcast's deadline. Again, the results can be found on our website, aboutmansfield.com and click on the Campaign 2020 tab. In the meantime, the COVID-19 epidemic has continued to increase its spread in Mansfield. Our roving science reporter, Dennis Webb, has the update. Dennis? Thanks, Steve. In Mansfield, the epidemic appears to continue its recent increasing trend. As a city in Tarrant County, we are still under County Judge Glenn Whitley's executive order declaring a local public health disaster for the county. Judge Whitley and his public health team does not think we have yet beaten the virus. On Monday, November 2nd, Tarrant County reported 1,680 Mansfieldians as having tested positive, 1,270 are estimated to have recovered, and 29 citizens have died since the start. From this, we can determine... We had 141 new cases in Mansfield this past week, a record high for our town, above our previous peak in early August. 
We had three new cases in the part of town that is in Johnson County. We had one new COVID-19 death reported in Mansfield this past week. The previous three weeks had not seen a Mansfield fatality. The county estimates that there are 410 active cases of COVID-19 in Mansfield. That is, 410 fellow citizens who could pass the virus to another citizen if they are not quarantining. This is a big increase over where we were back in September. While this is a small number relative to our overall population, the fact that this number is increasing says each of us is more at risk of catching it from a neighbor. Last week, Mansfield ISD reported eight new cases among staff, fewer than last week, and 27 new cases among students, more than last week, but similar to earlier weeks. Countywide, we had an average of 633 new cases a day last week, continuing a steady increase since August. The test positivity rate remains stubbornly at 11%, suggesting we are not testing enough to contain the virus, though countywide testing has increased to an average of over 5,000 tests a day this past week. That's a lot of tests. Countywide hospitalization has increased to an average of 500 citizens in a hospital bed with the virus each day. A bad trend. This has been steadily increasing since the middle of September. The county reported 25 deaths this past week, a second week of increase. These increasing trends are concerning, with Mansfield, Tarrant County, and the state of Texas all seeing similar trends suggesting that more of our fellow citizens are tired of all the precautions and are inadvertently inviting the virus to spread. To get back closer to normal, we need to drive all these weekly numbers close to zero, as some counties in Texas have actually done. We can get to containment if every one of us follows the recommendations of our state and county leaders. When you're out and about, keep your distance from other people and wear a mask. Wash your hands a lot. Avoid crowds, and if you're older sick, stay at home as much as you can. It is not yet time to let down our protective measures. Reporting from the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Dennis will be back in a few minutes to celebrate a far-out birthday. Concerns arose over the weekend regarding campaign contributions received by a local school board candidate. According to her financial records, Corinne Fiagami, who was on the ballot for Mansfield ISD School Board of Trustees Place 7, received a $50,000 contribution from Leadership for Educational Equity based in Washington, D.C., lighting up social media with speculation. Fiagami defended accepting the contribution in a statement released on Sunday, which said, I am a proud member of the Leadership for Educational Equity, or LEE for short, and was honored to receive significant donations from LEE and other LEE supporters for my campaign. The donations have helped pay for mailers, phone banking, and signs to let people know they have a choice for Place 7 for Mansfield ISD Board of Trustees. Fiagami cited that a typical school board campaign usually costs around $5,000 per candidate, but with the high voter turnout in the general election this year, she soon realized that she needed more funding and reached out to the nonprofit organization. Fiagami concluded her statement with, quote, I couldn't be more proud to have received contributions from many family members, friends in Texas and beyond, and community members, and the transformative contributions from Lee, an organization that has as its mission to support leaders working towards educational excellence and equity for all students in all communities across our country, including, in my case, the students of MISD, end quote. For Election Day results, log on to our website at aboutmansfield.com and click on the Campaign 2020 tab. With the COVID-19 epidemic on the rise locally, many Mansfield seniors have opted to stay indoors as much as possible. The local Meals on Wheels program has seen a dramatic uptick in the amount of meals delivered locally. Susan Luttrell is the Director of Serving and Missions at First United Methodist Church and explains a little history of the Meals on Wheels program here in Mansfield. In Mansfield, the Methodist Church has been a distribution site for Meals on Wheels for this area for about 20 years, I think. When I started working with Meals on Wheels, I think we had four routes, 
serving sort of the south, a little bit of South Arlington, Mansfield proper, and then out towards Rendon. That area has expanded, and there are now currently nine routes. Two of those routes have started just in this period of time that we've been in the pandemic. Luttrell said that the epidemic has caused a considerable amount of increase in clients, resulting in a rising amount of meals that need to be delivered. Since uh, March through September, we've had 46% increase in meals. My numbers for September in Mansfield, we serve 2,355 meals. Multiply that out across Tarrant County. It's a lot of meals. Meals on Wheels primarily relies on people around the community who have either time, talent, or treasure to donate, but it's boots on the ground that is most needed. The biggest thing that people can do in our area is volunteer to deliver the meals, to help substitute for the meals, and then possibly contact Tarrant County Meals on Wheels and see if there's other ways. This time of year, we always need more help uh, with volunteers uh, coming into the holidays. Uh, we just need more drivers. This year, with the increase of meals, clients, and then you add in there the many reasons that people have to take off during this time, the need for more volunteers is great. There are other benefits to Meals on Wheels besides delivering a meal to seniors during the week. Luttrell explains. The greatest thing to me that Meals on Wheels does is there's that daily checking on of somebody. Somebody is going to come by that house Monday through Friday. They have to see you. They're going to greet you. And it's just going to remind them that that we remember they're there and that we care about them. But also, if for some reason something happened, we automatically, if you don't answer your door, there is a process in place. And we don't leave food on the doorstep and just hope you come by and pick it up. There's going to be some phone calls made and some doors knocked on and and family called until we're sure that that person is okay. Mansfield has some of the best volunteers in all of Texas. How can you get involved? You would want to talk to Christian Noyes. She works with me or myself, and you can get a hold of us at 817-477-2287. Or you can go to millsonwheels.org. And in case you missed it, we will post the phone number and the website link on our website at aboutmansfield.com. Ever wonder how the Water Utilities Department works? Or how the Parks and Rec Department comes up with a specific program? You're not alone, which is why the city has rolled out the My Mansfield Muniversity, an opportunity for residents to get to know the city a little better on a first-hand basis. Bernadette McCraney is the assistant to the city manager. She heads the My Mansfield Muniversity program and describes the concept. My Mansfield Muniversity will be a series of 12 meetings over 10 weeks in which each week participants will have an opportunity to learn about a different department or division of the city and what services and programs go into that department or division. My Mansfield University consists of close to a dozen in-person classes starting just after New Year's. The classes themselves will start January 13th and then really culminate on March 10th. So there's really 11 true classes and then a final meeting, which will be kind of a graduation reception in which the participants have an opportunity to meet with city council and just get recognized for participating. There are just a few requirements, little ones really, to qualify for the course. The program itself is open to any Mansfield resident, a student of a Mansfield resident, an MISD enrolled student, or a city employee. We really just want to have an opportunity to engage with residents, to get to know the programs and services that are available to them, and hopefully spark some interest in which they might want to, you know, become more involved and maybe participate on one of our boards or commissions, or, you know, just in general, have a a better understanding of what's available to them. With every class, a specific 
department or division is the main focus. We'll start with basically a general introduction and then cover some of the the biggies like police and fire and water utilities. And of course, you know, all the feel-good parks and recreation. And there will be a small service project. Um, On the calendar, there's a mention of a service Saturday in which we'll talk about code compliance and the Mansfield Volunteer Program and kind of how those two departments, you know, work hand in hand. Applications for the 2021 My Mansfield University course are now open and are due no later than 5 p.m. November 30th. To register for the free program, log on to the city website at mansfieldtexas.gov and you'll find My Mansfield University under the, quote, How Do I, end quote, tab. It's a birthday of grand proportions in our roving science reporter, Dennis Webb takes us to the celebration. Dennis? A small personal birthday celebration. Maybe more engineering than science, but I'm going to celebrate anyway. This week, our International Space Station has had people aboard it continuously for 20 years, accomplished by 64 different multinational crews since November 2000. This was supported by generations of engineers and planners on the ground spread out across the planet in their various control centers. The space station was still being assembled during the first 11 years of this habitation, mostly using the space shuttle to carry big pieces up as they added more rooms and resources, and broken things were replaced. The space station managed to continue after the shuttle program was shut down, with the recent crew launches on the venerable Russian Soyuz rocket and spacecraft launched from Kazakhstan, which is a real country where fictional Borat comes from. We recently launched humans to space from the USA again using a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket and their Dragon spacecraft. The crew put it through its paces, docked to the International Space Station for a few weeks, and returned to splashdown in the Gulf of Mexico. Another crew should be on the way to the ISS and a Dragon in the next couple of months as part of more normal business. 20 years is a long time. I actually started working on this space station in 1985 when it was little more than an architecture study, a procurement strategy designed to ensure enough congressional support to keep it funded, and foreign partners at the treaty level, which was additional pressure to keep it going. When the Challenger shuttle blew up in 1986, we were back to the drawing board, and we redesigned it several more times as Congress intervened on the technical requirements. Not a good thing. The program was close to being canceled, one time saved by a single vote in the U.S. House of Representatives. I recently learned that the one vote was from Representative John Lewis, who switched his vote at the last minute, largely because of conversations with a colleague in the other party in a neighboring state. This John Lewis was a civil rights icon and legislator who recently passed away and was celebrated. Asked why he changed his mind, he said words to the effect, well, I listened to my colleague's reasoning, thought about it, and voted to support him. That is what we are supposed to do here in the House of Representatives. With the fall of the Soviet Union, the space station became useful to U.S. policy as a way of finding ways to keep Russian rocket scientists from selling their skills to bad actor nations, and Russia was invited to join the the already multinational ISS, previously with teams from Europe, Japan, Canada, and eventually Italy. The Russians joined, and we redesigned again. I had the strangest job in my career during this time, but that is another story. The commander of the first crew on the International Space Station was Bill Shepard, a Navy SEAL before he was an astronaut, and manager of the ISS program, one of my bosses during this time, before his flight. This is not a normal career path, but Shep is special. He convinced the program's team to use a few pounds of equipment to find a way to do weight training in zero gravity. Think about that weight training and zero gravity. It worked using a set of football shoulder pads hooked to two resistive exercise canisters, and now all ISS crews do regular weight training in zero gravity, but with better equipment as it improves their physical condition when they come back to Earth. The third ISS crew was commanded by Frank Culbertson, naval test pilot and astronaut, who had been a productive work partner of mine for several years. 
Frank was on the ISS with his crew when the September 11 attacks happened, and he saw and took a picture of the smoke plume rising over Manhattan from his view on the International Space Station. So here we are 20 years later, and the ISS is still going strong. Perhaps the message is that great things can happen when people choose to work together, even though it is not easy. Today I celebrate. As always, we welcome any science questions from listeners. Put questions in an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. Reporting from the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. 54th Street Grill and Bar is geared up for their Tuesday grand opening at their Shops at Broad location. General Manager Elias McNeese talks about what you can expect. An eclectic restaurant full of fun and energetic environment, including and featuring 54 draft beers on tap, 28 of them uh, handcrafted here in Texas. Uh, We have a full service bar, including eight 70-inch TVs, four 90-inch TVs. Uh, We have a big screen projector in our dining room with a couple TVs in a private dining area uh, that you can reserve for parties of up to 30. The menu is going to feature over 125 items of scratch-made food. 95% of everything that comes out of our kitchen is made from scratch. And um, just fun-paced environment, family-filled environment. It's going to be awesome. The one thing customers cannot miss upon entering the restaurant is the decor. The decor is, it's actually really, really unique how we, uh, how we go about hanging everything up. We have just random objects hanging from the walls and, and suspended from the rafters, including uh, there's a drag strip race car, there's a motorcycle, bicycles going through the walls, fire trucks. Uh, there's a paper mache elephant that is hanging on our wall. Tons of different draft neons, different pictures from movie posters and stuff all throughout the years of American history. Uh, it's kind of walking into just sort of a, a 3D virtual museum. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. But of course, people don't go to restaurants just for the atmosphere. 54th Street does have a signature dish on their menu. The number one thing that you want to sit down and get is our, it's an appetizer that we have and we call it gringo dip. It's a authentic Mexican uh, hot pepper kind of chip and cheese queso dip. It is absolutely fantastic. It's homemade with a, a version of pepper jack cheese that we actually have trademarked with the patent office, with the U.S. patent office. Uh, it is absolutely phenomenal. At the bar, 54th Street will also feature handcrafted margaritas and Long Islands. But first and foremost, the staff is fired up to be a part of the Mansfield community. 54th Street first is, is excited uh, and happy to be part of the community here in Mansfield. We are going to be open Sunday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And then our bar will be open one extra hour. Um, Friday and Saturdays will be open from 11 a.m. to 12 midnight, with the bar be opening an extra hour after that. We're extremely excited and happy to be a part of the Mansfield community, hoping to serve the residents here. And Gringo Dip fixes everything. Again, 54th Street Grill and Bar opens Tuesday, November 9th, in the shops at Broad, adjacent to the 287 Service Road. Let's check sports with Tommy Cummings. First, the good news for Mansfield ISD football teams last week. Summit started the week with a 39-7 win over rival Legacy on Thursday. Then Friday, Timberview improved to 5-0 by routing Joshua 61-14. But it wasn't such a good week for Mansfield teams to mix it up with a couple of Southern Dallas County teams. Duncanville shut out Mansfield High 35-0, and DeSoto rolled to a 42-0 District 11-68 win over Lake Ridge at Newsom Stadium. Duncanville is ranked number two by the Associated Press. DeSoto is number six. This week, Legacy takes on Birdville at Newsom at 7 o'clock Thursday. The next night at Newsom, Mansfield High faces Waco. And at R.L. Anderson on Friday, Lake Ridge faces Waxahachie at 7.30. Summit will travel to Richland for a 7 o'clock game Friday. So how's the district races shaping up, you ask? In 5-5A Division II, Timberview has a half-game lead on Alito. In 11-6A, Mansfield High is 1-1, one, one, one game behind Cedar Hill, DeSoto, and Duncanville. They are all 2-0. and o. Lake Ridge is 0-2, tied for last. In 4-5A Division I, Summit is 1-0, one half game out of first place behind Colleyville Heritage and Red Oak. 
Legacy at 0-2 is tied for last. And that's it for sports in Mansfield. If you have any sports news, let us know. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Tommy Cummings. It is that time of the episode where we usually introduce the Ask Terry Do-It-Yourself Home Improvement feature. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist and is on special assignment this week. In the meantime, if you have a home improvement question, you can send an email to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that's askterry, T-E-R-R-Y, at aboutmansfield.com. Terry will tackle a home improvement question next week. Friday is National Marooned Without a Compass Day. If you find yourself shipwrecked inside your home this election season, let's see if we're in store for at least some nice weather. Alexa? Here's the forecast for Wednesday, November 4th in Mansfield. Look for mostly sunny weather with a high of 77 degrees Fahrenheit and a low of 54 degrees. For the next seven days, Tuesday through Saturday should be sunny, with showers on Sunday. On Monday, it should be cloudy. Daytime highs will range between 73 and 81 degrees Fahrenheit. According to Tarrant Regional Water District, Mansfield lawns need no irrigation this week. Sprinklers can remain off. Recent rain and cooler temperatures reduce the need for watering the lawn. The week will be nice and sunny with a possible cold front next week. To see a map of watering recommendations for North Texas, log on to waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, when we switch from news to talk, we will talk about historic Mansfield with Nicolette Allen, the city's newly appointed downtown coordinator. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel and the entire news team. This is about Mansfield. Introducing Cold Hammer Stills. What is Cold Hammer Stills? It's a 70-proof chocolate cappuccino liqueur that's been distilled six times with a balanced blend of coffee, light cinnamon, and cocoa to create an enticing, robust flavor. Here, try some. Oh my gosh, Becky, 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 come here. You have to try this. Ooh, what the? This is so delicious. I've never had anything like this. I need to have some more of this. Find Cold Hammer Stills. Find liqueurs at Total Wine and More or your favorite package store. Ask for it by name. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great local shows, such as Ask Philip, The Face-Off Spot, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio from Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 in Mansfield. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. That's podcastmansfield.com. I'm Councilman Brent Newsom, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, and as, uh, as we make the transition from news to talk, we've got a guest in the studio today who has... Uh, an interesting job I think we'd all like to know about is she is the downtown coordinator, uh, among other things, for the city of Mansfield. And we welcome Nicolette Allen to About Mansfield. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and be on the talk show. So, thanks. As we usually do during the talk segments, the concept of the talk segment is to get to know the person before we get to know what you do for the city of Mansfield. So, um, Nicolette... Where are you from and where'd you grow up? So I was born in Irving, not far from here. Definitely grew up in DFW all over and also in the Northeast. And I've got a lot of family in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and I would spend summers there. So I've kind of been all around. And actually one kind of fun thing I tried to get across during a board meeting, uh, my first board meeting with HMBA was telling them how I actually grew up in a little tiny historic downtown in the Northeast. And the town that I lived in only had about 4,000 residents. And I lived on Main Street in a home that was 180 years old. Wow. So very much historic downtown, especially the Main Street area. 
really hits close to home for me. Walking in houses like the man house and that smell mm-hmm. of old wood brings up awesome like childhood memories. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is my home. <laughs> in, in which city did you grow up in? It- Meredith, New Hampshire. Meredith, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So yes. you got to watch the leaves change every fall. And, yes. And Went to school, learned how to drive in the snow and ice and spent the summers on the lake. It's um, on Lake Winnipesaukee, which is a huge, huge lake and hung out with family and stuff like that. So it was great. Tell me a typical day of uh, the life of Nicolette during high school. Were you a, a nerd, a, a band student, uh, uh, an athlete? Probably more on the nerdy theater band kids Theater, side. nice. Yes. Um, I was in theater, but I was very much the crew backstage kind of person. Would I did that be, not... That's called tech, right? Yes. I was tech, um, lighting specifically. Okay. Lighting was my jam and stage managing productions. And actually, one of my first jobs was at the high school auditorium. We had one of the largest ones, and so they would rent it out for... I don't know, ceremonies or different shows. And I'd, I would work tech for those. Um, other than that, I was on the drum line. So Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you're a drummer. And was that here in Texas or? Yeah, that was in Irving at Nimitz High School. Okay. How, what brought you to Mansfield? How'd you get that from Irving to, uh, to uh, Mansfield? Uh, it was kind of a, I slowly made my way across the Metroplex. I grow, graduated high school in Irving and then started going to school at UTA. And that was where I got my bachelor's. I had moved to UTA in um, 2010, been there literally for, I stayed there for probably about 10 years and I started going for my master's and I wanted to do an internship. It's required as part of graduating with your master's. And Mansfield was one of the few places I could find that really even had one available that I was interested in. And so I actually started with Mansfield in 2017 as an intern for the Parks and Recreation Department. And by the end of the internship, I was hooked. I loved it. Loved the city. Obviously, especially if you come through the parks route, I had spent a ton of time in all of our different parks and decided that the city was beautiful and just wanted to be here longer. So do you have a favorite park? Oliver Nature Park is my favorite. Yeah. And there's, and it's a lot larger than just the front kind of hangout area. I mean, they have the amphitheater and the, the bird blinds and the old windmill. And so you can really get lost exploring out there. All right. So 2017, your internship ended. They offered you a job. Not right away. Not right away. (laughs) No. Okay. They would have if they had an opening, I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) While I was doing my internship, I was also still working at um, Papacito's Cantina. So I worked at, started working in the restaurant in 2014. So I'd already been there for a few years, graduated with my bachelor's while still working in the restaurant, started my master's ended my um, my internship, and then that was around the time that I became the bar manager for them and just managed beverage operations for another like nine months before a position became available, and I applied and, and got hired on for full-time. You went to UTA, you got your bachelor's, you now have your master's, and what was your line of studies? It was public administration. Okay, so you went through SUPA. Yeah. And the master's led to the job at the city of Mansfield. Yes. Were you hired in the position that you're holding right now? No, I was not. So when I came back, I was hired by Teresa Cohagen and Matt Young. So having done the Parks and Rec internship, when I came back on was whenever they moved to their new Parks Administration building. And I was a joint employee for the CVB and for the Parks Department, just kind of an admin position for them. And then I ended up applying for a position at City Hall, and that was to be an executive assistant for Joe. And this was whenever he was a deputy city manager. So you are now the assistant to To the the city city manager. manager. Yes. So it's a little slightly different, but... When I started in the city manager's office, it was specifically dealing with development, development agreements, uh, planning and zoning cases and that kind of thing. And now that Joe has become the city manager and I'm an assistant to the city manager, we've kind of expanded the scope of what I do. Mm-hmm. And, and now while I still work on developments and 
track our development agreements, track our um, tax increment refinancing zones and, and what projects we have coming out of there. I've also taken on some programs that we would like to create and kind of make a part of our normal daily operations at the city. One of them being downtown revitalization. Another. And, and you are the new downtown coordinator. Yes. And that was official as of July 27th. <laughs> okay. So for a couple of months, and this is actually why we're having you on the podcast is because you are the new downtown coordinator which is actually great because I you had mentioned HMBA and you, there was also the downtown Mansfield Incorporated. There were also a couple of other nonprofits and they always getting them all together is is almost like herding cats. <laughs> and and so when the city announced that there's a downtown coordinator, I thought, oh, this is going to be great because she's going to be the liaison between all these different organizations yeah. and the city. So what is a downtown coordinator? Exactly that. So being that liaison, kind of bridging that gap between a lot of the downtown stakeholders, everybody has a different vision, a different idea of what they would like to see, priorities, and and how do we marry all of those together and help the area grow and help... Um, everyone grows. So as far as what I do as a downtown coordinator, it's coordinating and it's working with these groups. And then from our city um, kind of priority is the development strategies that we have created and what can we do in kind of the public side and public infrastructure side to help these private businesses, property owners, visitors, residents help, you know, feel the impact of that growth. And what is the difference between a downtown coordinator and a term that I hear a lot, a main street manager? They can be similar, but main street managers are actually a trademarked kind of position. So okay. you have the Texas Main Street Program, mm -hmm. which is a designation to be a designated main street. It comes from the Texas Historical Commission. And that organization, you have to apply and your application will get scored and then voted on if they're going to give you that designation. And it specifically looks at how is this city uh, working to preserve their uh, his history, which is typically centered in your downtown Main right. Street area, being the oldest part of town. Uh, what is different is in order to get the benefits or some of the um, support from this organization as a designated Main Street is having to have two full-time, one to two full-time uh, Main Street coordinators mm -hmm. and then an advisory board, some type of volunteer, whether you're going with a full nonprofit running everything or you have designated city um, city employed Main Street managers and an advisory board that's voluntary. So you can go either route, but they all have to be in place and then you have to be voted on from the board to be designated. And then at that point, you can be an official Main Street manager. Ah, Gotcha. So we're not there yet. Not quite. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's a goal. Now, the city seems to be, over the years, creating a larger and larger footprint downtown. They bought the Far Best Theater, and they own the former Parks and Rec yeah. building on Smith Street, uh, created the festival, the Music Alley Festival, and now Hometown Holidays is moving downtown. Yes. How involved are you as the downtown coordinator with the events downtown? With those large special events, um, we have an event coordinator who spends behind the scenes six to 12 to 18 months planning for these events. It really just depends on the size and um, what all she's kind of got to pull off for a single day. And sure. it's, it's a big, um, big juggling act getting everything lined up. Um, so, that is really her position, and she works for the Parks and Recreation Department. And so, that's, that's a shout out to Angie? Yes. There you go. Okay. Yes. Um, so very much my what I do on my end is being available to go to updates, getting updates from her, and what information do I need to help disseminate to the downtown businesses and property owners to help them be the most successful that they can during the event. And um, and a lot of times there's a lot of, especially like the night before Music Alley, my phone is ringing off the hook of, oh, this person questions, or where do I find this? When can I come and do this? And so when you have so many people who really need to know what's going on. Uh, my job is to try to help educate and inform through this process to get everybody on the same page. 
downtown is has been going through this transition for literally for decades and What are the development strategies for downtown? Our development strategies, they came out of a year-long study with a consultant, half and associates. And what they did was look at, at downtowns all across the state, pulled data, had focus groups, and really spent a year doing that kind of scientific research that you would do in for a property, not necessarily for an experiment. Um, and and out of all of that, they came with 32 recommendations for what can we continue to do? What strategies can we employ to help revitalize and continue to grow the area and take all of these decades worth of efforts mm-hmm. and continue to push them forward so that nothing becomes stagnant and, and we continue to evolve while still preserving our history. So what are some of the recent developments the city has done for the downtown area? Well, you already mentioned that we bought the Farbest Theater, and we, of course, have the old fire station. We've also, in the past few years, gotten the museum, and, you know, we're working with the Historical Society, and it's now open to the public. We're restoring the man house, and we've built a dog park, which is maybe not in the tourist boundary, but it is still very much downtown and very much our history. And then we've had a number of construction projects. We've reconstructed South Main Street. We've made improvements to North Main Street, the Pond Branch Trail, the Pretty Bridge Lights. You've you've opened up so many questions now. (laughs) For those who are not familiar, describe what the TERS area is and and what it is yes what is the, bound, a, the boundaries yes uh well the boundaries are very difficult to describe <laughs> it looks like a big kind of jagged yeah. um line but that is because they were specifically trying to make sure that we drew in certain assets into there where we might have a historic site um or an open piece of development because a tourist district is a tax increment refinance zone and what they do is for a designated amount of time, they'll take a base year tax value and then any improvements throughout the the following years, that money, instead of going into the general fund for the city out of the property taxes, it goes into a TERS fund or, or a TIF fund. And that money can be used to help pay for new developments and improvements. So they are trying to strategically draw in things that they knew would benefit the downtown area and that had the potential for redevelopment. Back-end parking. How's the reception been for for back-end parking on on South Main Street? So I've seen kind of um, some comments both ways, I guess. Now, I think for a little while, with a lot of people working down there, Things have been strange during COVID. Mm -hmm. So there's been changes in the levels of actual parking that's going on of businesses or people actually visiting the businesses. Um, But I have seen new signs go up, informational signs on the best way to, you know, back in park safely, what lane you should travel in in the middle. Um, If you're not going to be parking, how can you pass people so they don't stop in front of you? Um, But I think it's just kind of a learning, changing the kind of culture of how you park downtown. But part of it too is that we want people to slow down also going through downtown. And that's been a little bit of a culture change that we're trying to to get across and and have people, um, I guess, realize that this is going to be a more active and dense area. We don't want you to blow through there when we want pedestrians and we want people activating it and hanging out and stuff like that. I travel down South Main Street at least twice a week. I was there today. Mm-hmm. There were four cars parked on, on South Main. Three of them were backed in. And I thought, okay, yeah. 75%. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad number. I know that we want to do a parking awareness campaign. And that's something that I'm kind of working on with our public information officer, Belinda. Um, Shout out to Belinda. Belinda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we're like... On our website now, if you go to the downtown page, I've developed a new map that shows all of the public parking. And with the special event parking, they did put in there certain streets that will be shut down, only one side of the street, no parking. And that's just to help with traffic flow. And so all of these efforts are kind of coming together at the same time. Um, and how much enforcement it does or doesn't need is kind of yet to be seen, I would say. 
One of the ordinances that pa- that uh, was recently passed was regarding vacant buildings yes. downtown. When are we going right. to start seeing a change in the vacant buildings? So that just had a reading at council. I believe it has one more, actually. So it's not official, you know, ink, signed in ink. Um, okay. But what the idea is, is just to really encourage people to get uses into those buildings and not let them get dilapidated and deteriorate over time. So one of the questions that was asked at council at the last meeting was, you know, what is active actively recruiting? What does that actually mean? And we're really looking for, do you have the property listed? Um, and like for, with a real estate agent, are you trying to get a use in there? Are you trying to find um, something, someone to lease or are you making improvements? So if it's a vacant building in that respect, we're kind of out of it at that point. We're not really concerned Now, from there, if you haven't done anything, six months have passed, you don't have it listed, you're not doing any improvements, and it really is just sitting there, then we, as the city, would be able to issue a letter. That is what would start the kind of time clock on you have so many days to list it, or you you have so many days to register it, pay a registration fee, and... I'll actually use that information to kind of develop a vacant building registry, which is something that a lot of downtown managers do to help with if someone does call and say, Hey, I want to, I want to bring my awesome business downtown. Where should I go? Well, here's a list because, of yeah. vacant buildings. Um, so what would happen though if, all right, so I owned a building and the, it's, it's been empty for many, many years and I get a letter from the city, but, but what happens if, uh, the, if I need to bring it up to code before I can, I can lease it out to something and, and the, the amount of dollars it took to bring it up to code actually costs more than the building itself. In our downtown area, because we do have the TERS, you know, it might be something that you can try to apply for TERS funding to help cover the cost or help you be able to make those improvements so we can get a use in there. Um, but if the structure is so deteriorated and it's not safe, then that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Big question here. Yes. What's going on with Twisted Root and By the Horns? And when is Mellow Mushroom coming back? Mellow Mushroom, um, you know, they're still, I know that the owner is still in conversations with the contractors. And I mean, honestly, I don't have much of an update. They're very much in a process that just takes time, unfortunately. As far as the kind of trio of, you know, tacos and Twisted Root burgers and then Hypnotic Emporium, I mean, they, like many businesses, have just struggled during uh, coronavirus, during the whole pandemic. And I know a lot of our conversations earlier in the year with Twisted Root was, hey, you know, whenever we can get to 75% occupancy, then I can bring in employees and get them trained and get everything opened back up. And we kept thinking that date was going to come a lot sooner than it did. So now we're just kind of in that another waiting pattern um, to see what happens. I mean, even now cases are rising. Sure. So I, you know, who knows really where the occupancy rate is going to sit or when this will go away or if this is the new normal, which I really, really hope that it's not. What's the next big event coming to downtown? Our next big event is going to be hometown holidays kind of reimagined where I also have the sub our section or subtitle of hometown holidays, which is the Main Street Midway. And we're really excited about bringing that to downtown in a similar fashion that Music Alley is brought downtown where we shut down Main Street and we're bringing out a Midway, which is a Ferris wheel and carousel games. And then some of our, our typical hometown holidays kind of uh, rides like the ice sledding and Santa house. And we always have like an ice skating ring. So nice moving it down here. And really it was kind of getting cramped in the parking lot of city hall. So I think it's time <laughs> to be able to spread out and, and bring more. So we're really excited about that. Also it being a two day event with fireworks, both nights. Oh, so, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And I heard the Ferris wheel is 65 feet. Oh yeah. Tall. It's big. <laughs> where, and where's that going? It is going right in the middle of main street. So. Wow. Yeah. That is fabulous. We're speaking with Nicolette Allen. She is the downtown coordinator, the the newly assigned downtown (laughs) coordinator for the city of Mansfield. 
And uh, Nicolette, uh, what's your favorite ice cream? Anything chocolate, but... Well, I told you I grew up kind of in the Northeast, yeah. spent like half my time there. Ben and Jerry's started in the Northeast. <laughs> okay. So I would say hands down, my absolute favorite ice cream is fish food by Ben and Jerry. Fish food. What's in it? It is little chocolate fish <laughs> and it's chocolate ice cream with caramel and marshmallow swirled through it. Fish food. Oh, yeah. By Ben and Jerry's. P.H. Fish food. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as in fish, the band. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, we've reached that time of the, the interview session where we really get to know Nicolette. It's called the lightning round. Ooh. Yes. It, it's very simple. It's just whatever comes to mind, you just oh, shout gosh. it out. It, it's, <laughs> you ready? Yes. Okay. Night or day? Night. Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Cake or pie? Cake. Football or baseball? Baseball? <laughs> not a sports fan. You're, you're not, <laughs> I was going to say, you didn't sound too sure on that. Pizza or taco? Ooh, uh, pizza. Car or truck? Truck. Meat or vegetables? Meat. Mac or PC? PC. What's your favorite ice cream? Fish food. Fish food. (laughs) (laughs) Nicolette Allen, again, the downtown coordinator for the city of Mansfield. Thank you for, uh, for coming by about Mansfield and telling us all about what's going on downtown and keep it going. I love downtown. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Congratulations to Rachel Smith, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What was the name of the full-service filling station that occupied the corner of Main and Broad for 50 years? According to the History of Mansfield Coloring Book, Harold and Mary Sells, along with their son Bill, operated the Sells service station from 1950 to 1991 when Bill's wife Brenda joined the staff. Rachel has won a $25 gift card to Pord. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to the brand new 54th Street Grill and Bar located at the Shops at Broad, serving quality food in an eclectic retro style atmosphere. Don't miss their grand opening November 9th. Check them out on the web 54thstreetgrill.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the Mansfield Public Library was established in 1929 and originally operated out of the corners of stores, cramped space in city buildings, and, for a while, in the waiting room of a doctor's office. This week's trivia question is, from 1929 to 1960, who was Mansfield's first librarian. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, having served from 1929 to 1960, who was Mansfield's first librarian? Good luck, and thanks to Eli at 54th Street for the gift card. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it is news, talk, and information about Mansfield. And even though Halloween is behind us, we will talk in studio about spirits in Mansfield. A different kind of spirits. The show will be released on Wednesday, November 11th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Home Improvement Feature, Terry Radswin. Sports, Tommy Cummings. Post-Production Editing, Mixing, and Mastering, Steve Casillo. And we thank you for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. Mansfield.